Broadcasting from the Superbook Sports Studios, KTUS AM 1060, Tempe, Phoenix, and KSLX HD2, Scottsdale, Phoenix. It's time to hit the field with Extra Point, featuring Kayla Mortallaro and Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060. Tweet the show at KDUS AM 1060 or give us a call at 602-260-1060. The snap is back. The hold is down. You can't miss with this combination. And the Extra Point is good. Number two of Extra Point on this Monday, June 12th. Bob Camp, Kayla Mortolaro with you up until noon today, as we typically do. Mondays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays. Before we go any further, let's reset the scene with today's poll questions. And we'll start with the KDOS1060.com poll question pertaining to Game 5 tonight in Denver. Who do you have, ATS, Denver minus 9, or Miami plus 9? And we have... A surge here for Miami at 54% of the vote now, Denver sitting at 46%. Yeah, I'm a little perplexed as to why there's a change here. I guess you know, maybe the Tyler Hero you know, you know, upgraded to you know, questionable thing as making a difference, but I don't know how effective he's going to be if he plays. Maybe he will be. Uh, but I think uh, more likely he's not going to be a difference-making player, uh, whether he returns tonight or, you know, if, God forbid, if there's a game six. I guess I kind of want this thing to end tonight personally. Let's let's move on. This, uh, you know, the, the superior team has been established, in my opinion. Uh, we'll answer this question around 11.30. Also on Twitter, at KDUSAM1060, are the Suns' chances of contending next season gone if Chris Paul and DeAndre Ayton do not return? The masses are still on the no side of things at 60.9% of the vote. Yes, trailing at 39.1%. Yeah, lots of stuff out there from Paul over the weekend. You know, the most absurd thing, in my opinion, was a sign-and-trade possibility with Philadelphia with James Harden. Uh, possibly you know, he'd be coming here, which I think it would just be a horrendous uh, mistake for the Suns because they already have two ball-dominant players, at least one ball-dominant player in Booker. Then you can make a case that you know Durant certainly, uh, you know, not ball-dominant, but you know when he's most effective is when he has the ball with frequency. And Harden absolutely, positively has to have the ball all the time to have any efficiency at all and uh you know that i think is even debatable how much efficiency he has with the ball at this stage of his career so you know like i said uh all kinds of stuff out there involving paul in the last you know week or so you know kinds of things from they're just gonna wave him to try to trade him and whatever else but uh uh, kind of, and the Aiton thing's been going on since, like, you know, really the end of uh, a, a year ago when they lost to the Mavericks, and you know, he opted uh, to sign the offer sheet with uh, with the Pacers, and uh, the uh, Suns decided to match that. And you know, just as recently as a week ago tomorrow, you know, we had Frank Vogel talking up Aiton during the press conference, and and so forth, but there seems to be plenty of people in the NBA that believe that uh, neither Paul or Aiton will be on the Suns next season. 
We'll answer this question as well around 1130. Your calls today at 1115-602-260-1060. In addition to that, we still have the four-pack of tickets to the Diamondbacks versus Guardians game on Father's Day, Sunday, June 18th. You can spend the day with Dad at Chase Field. The first 15,000 dads to the D-backs game against the Guardians on June 18th will receive a Father's Day Hawaiian shirt courtesy of Budweiser. Secure your tickets now by visiting dbacks.com slash dad. The game gets started 1 10 p.m. from Chase Field. Let's stay. Time, w- time out for a second here. Um, I, you know, my, I knew my dad a really long time. I never ever saw him in a Hawaiian shirt. Kayla, you ever seen your dad in a Hawaiian shirt? Is that <laughs> is that a big deal? Uh, no, my dad would not be wearing a Hawaiian shirt, no. Yeah, uh, okay, I was just curious. So, And I've never worn a Hawaiian shirt either. I'm not a dad, but I'm old. Uh, and I've never, I've never crossed my mind to go get a Hawaiian shirt. But, yeah, maybe. Uh, it, you know, obviously, the Diamondbacks think this is a tremendous promotion. I like the idea of doing something on Father's Day for sure, but I didn't know that that was a big deal. Well, I think it is a big deal because I want to say they did it last year. Uh, like the, I feel like I've heard the Hawaiian shirt theme numerous times now, so it must be a, okay. it, it must be a winner. <laughs> Okay. But I guess not for any of our families. <laughs> and plus, I got a whole bunch of friends who are really old uh, and uh, that are fathers, and I don't remember ever seeing any of them in a Hawaiian shirt. <laughs> so, like I said, maybe I'm just the wrong wrong uh, test case here. Yeah, you know, I guess my only thought process here for, for the surge in Hawaiian shirts is that uh, it's summertime, so you need something that's easy to get in and out of as you're sitting around at the pool. Okay. That's Which all I got for you, Bob. <laughs> okay. Uh, well, okay. Let's, let's stay with the Diamondbacks, though. They had a good weekend. They got the sweep over the Tigers. Friday, it was an 11-6 win. Merrill Kelly got the start. Six and a third innings, seven hits, three runs, two walks, five strikeouts, one home run. And, of course, Corbin Carroll continuing to do a whole bunch of firsts for himself. His first career grand slam in the seventh inning. Yeah, um, the Diamondbacks have now won 20 of their last 27 games. You know, on the other side, the Tigers have lost 11 straight. They've scored 19 runs in their last nine games. That includes the weekend series. And I guess the uh, offensive explosion yesterday for the Tigers against Zach Gallon of all people. But you mentioned Carroll. Uh, you know, the Grand Slam on Friday night, he was 3 out of 5 last night. Also getting lots of praise uh, throughout the, the country, quite frankly, uh, starting actually locally uh, with Mike Hazen, uh, Diamondbacks. Uh, I don't know if he's officially the you know, title is the gentleman, whatever. He's the, the, the head guru personnel dude. Now, that's what I'm going to call him. Uh, he appeared Sunday morning on Sirius XM. And, you know, Corbin Carroll was a popular topic of discussion. And uh, he even admitted that him being, uh, Carroll being this good, this soon, this season, is surprising within the organization. Then last night, you, you know, if you're a baseball fan, two shows you should pay attention to if you have access to Sirius XM radio. Uh, the front office, uh, 7 a.m. our time every Sunday morning with Jim Bowden and Jim Duquette former general managers. Uh, That's the show that Hazen appeared on yesterday. And also another show that uh, should be, you know, imperative to baseball fans. 
uh, the uh, Sunday night MLB countdown to the Sunday night game, uh, which is from three to four hour time. And Tim Kirchin was on there yesterday, and he actually included Carroll among his most valuable player in the National League candidates. Not just, you know, rookie of the year, which I think he's got to kind of run away with at this point, but uh, Kirchin and Carroll, he included Carroll in his MVP candidates for the National League. Uh, Saturday, 5 nothing win over the Tigers. Ryan Nelson, five and two-thirds innings, four hits, two walks, four strikeouts. Did you like what you saw from him? He did. He was good. I mean, once again, this is against the Tigers. And actually, somebody uh, you know, that's a Diamondbacks fan actually called me on Saturday and asked me, uh, as currently constructed, remember the Tigers, we previewed the Tigers on uh, on Friday, and you know they lost their best position player Riley Green to injury. Looks like he's going to be out a long time. They also had they lost Eduardo Rodriguez, by far their best pitcher. Uh, they lost him within like 24 hour period a couple of weeks ago. And uh, the call I got from a Diamondbacks fan, a fan, he actually was he was seriously asking me this, and he might have a good point here. Uh, he asked me if uh, the as currently constructed. Uh, with all the uh, injured players, are the Tigers worse than Oakland? Uh, and, you know, actually right now Oakland's only one win ahead of uh, Kansas City, so maybe Kansas City's the worst team this century. I've been saying Oakland for weeks, but the Tigers are a really bad team right now, and uh, Diamondbacks are hot and they caught them at the right time. Speaking of hot Sunday, they rolled into it with a 7-5 to win. Zach Allen's start, though, five and two-thirds innings, ten hits, five runs, two walks, five strikeouts, and one home run. What did you make of this start from, from Gallon? Well, I didn't see it because I don't have Peacock, but I was following along. Yeah, he got hit really hard. I know some of the, you know, the uh, hard hit rates and you know, the exit velo, et cetera. Uh, but even if you look at old-time numbers, uh, giving up five runs on ten hits with two walks against the Tigers is not good. Uh, they bailed him out. And actually, you know, Gallon has had some shaky starts here of late, uh, so we'll see what happens. Moreno is back catching Gallon, and uh, you know, I don't have these numbers, but I'm pretty sure if I did the numbers – that you know, when Herrera has been coach, catching Gallon, his numbers have been better than when Marino has been. You know, we thought Carson Kelly might actually be activated over the weekend, so that's going to kind of change the catching dynamic to some extent. Uh, but he was not. Uh, but uh, Hazen again yesterday during that Sirius XM interview uh, seemed to strongly indicate uh, he's not going to officially say anything. But he seemed to, uh, you know, strongly indicate that Kelly is going to be activated very soon, including maybe uh, certainly it sounds like over the next four days in the four-game series that they start tonight against the Phillies. Dodgers they lost two of three to the Phillies. Uh, we know about some of the starting pitching uh, injury situations that the Dodgers have. Do they now also have bullpen problems? Well, their bullpen was terrible last week. Yeah, you know, other than Phillips, I mean, they really had some serious issues. I believe they had three walk-off losses last week, uh, and uh, basically their starting rotation is they're really good when Clayton Kershaw pitches. Mostly, he's had two earned runs or less in nine starts so far this season. Bobby Miller, the phenom uh, that they brought up uh, three or four starts ago. Uh, has been really good. Other than that, they don't get much from their starting pitching. Uh, and uh, yeah, they might lead baseball in walks. I think they're second in home runs at last uh, last I saw. 
but uh, you know, all that offense is not making up for their bad, uh, you know, bad pitching staff right now, and uh, it's kind of a mess. Uh, Bobby Miller, though, they won his start. Six innings, three hits, three walks, seven right. strikeouts on Saturday. He has uh, continued to be really good since being called up. Yeah, as I just mentioned, I believe he's 3-0. and zero, or They've won all his starts. Uh, yeah, He and Kershaw, they win. Uh, pretty much anybody else, uh, they either lose or they're in danger of losing because they're just not getting anything out of their starters. Urias was supposed to be back yesterday. I don't know why he didn't pitch. Uh, I didn't hear. Um, I had a whole you know, list of stuff in front of me here to check out yesterday, and unfortunately I didn't get to that. But uh, like I mentioned, it, it, that will help, in significant, assuming he's healthy when he comes back from the injured list. Uh, but you know, they, the, he was originally listed as a starting pitcher for yesterday, and for some reason they end up going with an opener yesterday. Uh, so he apparently has had a setback and could miss another one to two more weeks that uh, he started feeling discomfort again in his strained left hamstring. Okay, did not know that. And he's already had one setback, so it's going to be like a month of he's going to be out uh, at this, assuming that act, that that, that uh, timetable is accurate. Um, so they need him out there. And uh, it's going to be interesting to see they and other teams what they're going to do at the trade deadline. And you know, that's August the 1st or uh, July 31st, one of those two days. I can't remember. It depends on the. I don't know how the calendar falls this year, but um, you know the trade deadlines often determined. It's at the end of July, first part of August, depending on you know whether it's a Friday or not, or however that works out. So we got we had like uh, you know basically six weeks. I'm just guessing six weeks or so before the trade deadline. So as it stands in the NL West, you have the Diamondbacks on top now. Their lead growing 40 and 25. The Dodgers at 37 and 29. The Giants 33 and 32. The Padres 31 and 34. And the Rockies pulling up the rear at 27 and 40. Uh, when it comes to other games from the weekend, you had the Twins taking two of three over the Blue Jays. Uh, Kevin Gossman four and two thirds innings, seven hits, six runs, four walks four strikeouts in his Sunday start but that one was a win for the Jays yeah they came back and won that game uh about the only baseball I really watched from in detail but I watched you know you know obviously the Diamondbacks but I watched two other series I watched the Dodgers and the Phillies and I also watched uh, Tampa Bay and Texas which was the more key event for the weekend uh and I watched probably no I saw highlights, but I don't think I watched any live action at Tampa and and, uh, and Minnesota. Well, let's get into the Rays. They took two of three over the Rangers. Tyler Glasnow working his way back. Six innings pitched, one hit, one run, three walks, six strikeouts, and one home run. And then in Sunday's 7-3 to three win for Shane McClanahan, seven innings pitched, four hits, three runs, one walk, five strikeouts, and one home run. Well, McClanahan's a story here. He's the first pitcher to 10 wins this year. He and the Rays, uh, the Rays have been obviously very good everywhere, but they've been spectacular at home. And McClanahan has been dominant at home so so far this season. He gave up three runs yesterday all in the uh, third inning um, on a Robbie Grossman home run. Uh, and, uh, yeah, he, as I mentioned, uh, the numbers are just – he's had seven starts at home so far this season. He has a 167 run average in those seven starts. The Rays have won all of those games. 
probably not terribly surprisingly considering they're now 31-7 and at home for the season. We had mentioned it uh, on Friday because it was a Shohei Otani start. Uh, the Angels took two of three over the Mariners, and on Friday, Otani had three hits of his own. He tossed five innings, three hits, three runs, five walks, six strikeouts, and one home run against Luis Castillo. Six innings pitched, six hits, five runs, one walk, ten strikeouts, and two home runs. We also mentioned it on Friday with the Garrett showdown uh, and then just Garrett Cole's trials and tribulations against the Red Sox. The Yankees lost two or three to the Sox and Garrett Cole, six innings, seven hits, two runs, one walk, six strikeouts and one home run in his start. He was actually good. I mean, Devers just destroys him uh, and destroys the Yankees in general. So yeah, I think the Cole was fine. Uh, going back to Otani, uh, I mean, uh, ever since I mentioned he's uh, you're not hitting as well as expected, he seemingly has gotten on base like every time. Uh, however, that that was a really shaky pitcher. For, I did watch some of this game on Friday night um, you know, after the basketball game concluded. Uh, that was another you – know, he, he's he's not pitching – I think, you know, once again, the truth serum thing – the Angels can't be completely thrilled with what they've seen out of Otani. Remember, he doesn't pitch every fifth day because he still do the six-man rotation and largely because of Otani. So you know, he's not been the dominant pitcher that I think a lot of people expected. He has been from time to time, but he's had a lot of starts where he's had real problems throwing strikes, and he's gotten hit pretty hard in a couple of starts too. Yeah, I can't remember. I've watched, uh, you know, the Julio Rodriguez hit a home run on over the weekend against the Mariners. I saw the high against the uh, Angels for the Mariners. And uh, I think that was off Otani. It was just a massive home run. If you've ever been to that ballpark in, in Los Angeles, whatever they call it these days, uh, that was like to deep left center field, like to the left of the rocks out there. Uh, and, uh, you know, that was a pretty pr- prodigious blast, as they say. Ooh, is that the word of the day? That might be the word of my lifetime there. That's pretty good. 602. Yeah, prodigious blast. 602-260-1060, the number to get in next. The Dan Patrick Show, weekday mornings from 6 to 9 a.m. This is just uh, something I like to call breakfast. With big-name guests, timely sports information, and more on KTUS AM 1060. <laughs> Eleven twenty-five here on KDOS AM ten sixty. As always, follow along with us online at KDOS ten sixty.com and with the KDOS ten sixty app powered by Superbook Sports. It's Monday, it's June twelfth. Bob Kemp, Kayla Mortolaro with you. 602-260-1060. That's the number if you'd like to chime in. We'll take some phone calls in this segment. Uh, so we know that the Big 12 is expanding with the team Cincinnati, Houston, and UCF officially joining the Big 12 on July 1st of this year. Uh, I guess it pays for you to up what conference you're in, and it pays for your program to be uh, you know, making it to Elite Eights and Final Fours because I saw this morning that uh Houston is now set to pay their coach, Kelvin Sampson, approximately $5 million annually as part of a new contract uh, for Sampson to continue to lead the Houston Cougars men's basketball program. Yeah, and I think this is certainly interesting um, for a couple of reasons. One, Sampson, I don't think anybody has ever questioned him strategically as a basketball coach. 
you know, he's been uh, has had problems with the NCAA. Uh, when he was at Oklahoma and also at Indiana. Uh, but he has done a tremendous job. I think a lot of people may be not aware that if you're just a casual college basketball fan, Houston certainly has a rich history going all the way back to the 60s with Guy Lewis. And, you know, he was there for several years and uh, you know, into the you know, Fly Sam, Fly Sam Jamma era and all that. Uh, but they've had some really down seasons in that program and really their facilities were very poor and he took that job and kind of built things up and you know he's gotten the you know the uh there's a lot of uh you know local business and they they've invested in the program and uh yeah he has uh done a tremendous job while he was there also the fact that they're leaving the american conference which was okay maybe a little less than okay basketball wise and going into the Big 12, which is now, you know, I think uh, last, uh, you know, two, three years, certainly, maybe even longer than that, been the best basketball conference in college basketball. You know, they're up in the up in the ante and just going to be much, they're not going to go, you know, they're not going to go through a conference season with one loss uh, anytime soon, I would think. Uh, but, uh, you know, he's done a really good job and, you know, he certainly moved on from uh, what I think was uh, a pretty shady reputation with good reason after he uh, left Indiana. And then once again, that's the second program that he had uh, NCAA issues with. And, and he, nobody seemed to really argue that those were, you know, felonious issues and uh, charges by the NCAA recruiting things and a you know, phone call thing, all kinds of stuff. It was ra- rather detailed. And rather, you know, in some cases, a little shady. Let's put it that way. Now we have felonious today, Bob. You are on a roll. I know. All right. So I need to. I need to stop. Can we <laughs> do the? Can we do a walk off here? <laughs> uh, we'll see if we can get another one to come out uh, in the next half hour oh, or so. Don't 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 be don't bet on that, folks. <laughs> well, let's go around the NFL here. Uh, running back situation. Saquon Berkeley was asked over the weekend at his football camp uh, how optimistic he was about getting a long term deal done with the Giants, and he said, "I don't know. I don't know." The Giants have franchise tagged him but he has yet to sign it the Giants do have mandatory mini camps beginning Tuesday and Wednesday but because Barkley uh, hasn't signed the franchise tag he cannot attend the two sides do have until July 17th to agree on a new deal Barkley has said quote if at some point there's a deal that is fair to both sides on the table I'll be ready to go it's interesting because this offseason we do actually have three running backs who were tagged you have Barkley with the Giants who played 16 games, 295 carries, 1,312 yards, 57 catches, 338 yards, and seemingly sometimes seemed like most of the offense, just the way that their playmakers were set up on the offensive side of the ball. Josh Jacobs was also franchise tagged with the Raiders. He played 17 games, 340 carries, 1,653 yards, 53 catches, 400 yards. And Tony Pollard also franchise tagged for the Cowboys. 16 games. He was in, you know, a, a different role than these other two running backs, 193 carries, 1,007 yards, 39 catches, and 371 yards. Josh Jacobs, though, also the running back who has yet to sign his franchise tag. Yeah, I think these are three different cases. You have the Giants, who are a playoff team. You have the Raiders, who are clearly not a playoff team. 
And then you've got uh, you know, Pollard is coming off and the ugly injury in the last game that the Cowboys played last year in the playoff loss to San Francisco. Yes, uh, so it's kind of going to be interesting and fascinating to see how this all unfolds. And I know that there's just been a lot over the years about, you know, what sort of deal do running backs command? And uh, when you're talking about guaranteed money, you're talking about the shelf life of a running back, you're talking about... just maybe some teams have felt burned by signing running backs to long-term deals and it not quite working out and not getting that production and that value that they were hoping for. But obviously from the running back standpoint, they know that they have kind of a shorter shelf life. They take a lot of punishment when they're running the ball. So they want to get as much as possible while they can. So I understand kind of that philosophy here. Uh, It was interesting though. So I thought, well, how about let's look into how, how long a shelf life is per position. And I understand that these three players that we're talking about running back wise are of the more elite caliber. So this is in totality of the league. The NFL average in the league, someone is in the league for just 3.3 years. When you look at the longest shelf life, it is a kicker or a punter at 4.87 years. The shortest shelf life is the running backs at 2.57 years. Yeah, as far as the kickers and the punters, if those guys are any good, they're going to last a long time. And if they suck, they're going to be on a different team in 10 minutes. So it's a whole different deal, obviously, for many reasons. Yeah, going back to the Barkley thing, um, what options does he actually have here? Um, Yeah, I'm not exactly sure how this the uh, franchise tag does that just carry over to another year if you don't play a season? He can't. you know, sit out a year, can he? I don't think so. So it's just once once again a case where, and this is the case in the NFL more than any other professional sport, in my opinion, that the, uh, the league uh, clearly has leverage over the player in almost every contract negotiation situation, and I think this is a good example of, uh, of, that, uh, of, of that theory at least. So they were asked, uh, they, Saquon Barkley was asked over the weekend about, you know, would he sit out? And he did say that him and his representation have talked about it. I don't know if he would or wouldn't because he could potentially lose 10 point something million dollars as the guaranteed franchise tag number. Obviously, you don't have the long term stability, but you don't have 10.3 million dollars right away this year that is guaranteed to you. So those are some very tough decisions ahead. I guess. I mean, he's also been injured a lot in his career. So that's another thing to factor in. Absolutely. And then for for Josh Jacobs, if he doesn't sign his franchise tag, you also then have other running backs that are uh, floating out there. You still have Zeke Elliott floating out there. You still have now Dalvin Cook. Uh, So potentially you're putting yourself into uh, an interesting situation, at least for the Raiders, because they're in a whole, as you mentioned, in a whole different boat than the Giants are. Yeah, and plus, I don't think Jacobs has any leverage here. I mean, you know, what, what, are, what are his options? I mean, please. So, you know, once again, I think he's uh, got to kind of up against it. And, you know, he's also operating behind a suspect offensive line. 
Uh, is D-Hop a good fit in New England? Uh, you not only have the prior relationship with Bill O'Brien, but when there's much to talk about practice and how DeAndre Hopkins doesn't practice, Bill Belichick is a coach that absolutely values practice. He certainly rides you hard in those practice uh, practices as well. He wants you out there. Availability is important to him. Uh, and so supposedly here, D-Hop finished up his um, uh visit with the Tennessee Titans over the weekend and is set to go to New England this week. Interesting, though, that they're bringing him in and I don't, you know, I guess just kind of seeing what he can do, but also maybe this is just a a play for DeAndre Hopkins to quote-unquote drum up interest for some of the other teams that he really wants to go to. I guess, uh, even though I thought I saw a quote that Belichick has no knowledge of Hopkins visiting. Oh, Okay, then. Yes. Yes. So I would assume he would know. But uh, yeah, I only know – I have no idea what's going on here with Team Hopkins. It seemed like Tennessee was just kind of a you know, you know, thank, thanks for attending and doesn't seem like that's a good fit at all. Uh, if I'm Hopkins, you know, Tannehill I think is okay, but their offensive line is not any good anymore. And Tannehill got beat up last year. And you know their their other quarterback situation. I'm you know you want those guys. You can count on them throwing you the ball. So you know it's uh, and plus is Tennessee going to be any good? So I you know like I you know, mentioned a couple of weeks ago or last week probably too. It, there's a there's a thought process out there that he's going to wait this out as long as humanly possible until maybe even when training camp after training camp starts. And uh, some receivers either get hurt during training camp or during the preseason. Would the quote that you're referring to from Belichick be, I'm not a travel agent here? Yes, correct. Okay. Yes. All yes, right. I did see I saw that this morning. Yeah. <laughs> Leave it to Bill. Uh, supposedly, though, the Patriots kickers were seen last week working on squib kicks after practice, obviously with the new kickoff rules in place. Uh, leave it to Bill to try to come up with something, well, some yeah. little wrinkle. Mr. Special Teams. Yes, absolutely. Right now, caller number three, 602-260-1060. You're the winner of a four-pack of tickets to the Diamondbacks versus Guardians game Sunday, June 18th. Spend the day with Dad at Chase Field, the first 15,000 dads to the D-backs game. Against the Guardians on June 18th, will receive a Father's Day Hawaiian shirt, courtesy of Budweiser. Secure your tickets now by visiting dbacks.com slash dad. The game gets underway 1.10 p.m. from Chase Field, 602-260-1060. Caller number 3602-260-1060. We'll answer the poll questions on the other side of the break. Catch the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays from 1 to 3 p.m. right here on KDUS AM 1060 and online at KDUS1060.com.
1141 here on KDOS AM 1060. Congratulations to our winner of the four-pack of tickets to the Diamondbacks versus Guardians game on Sunday, June 18th. For more information, visit dbacks.com slash dad. And we'll have some more tickets throughout the week as well. It is the extra point right here on KDOS AM 1060. As always, online at kdos1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports. We answer today's poll questions and we'll start with the kdos1060.com poll question. There's a game five tonight in Denver between the Nuggets and the Heat with the Denver on top in the series three to one. So who do you have tonight? ATS Denver minus nine or Miami plus nine? I guess I'm laying the points at this point. If I had to do anything, I haven't done anything. In fact, I haven't made a bet in this series. And I'm kind of kicking myself a little bit because three of these four games have gone under the total. So maybe I've dropped the ball there. And the total in this game has gone back up. Uh, It was 208, uh, some of the original numbers. Uh, There was a 209. Now I see some 210s. But the total in this series started at 219. It's gone down to two, and just the subsequent games, it's gone from two, six, uh, 219 to 216 and a half to 213 to 211 and a half. And now we're sitting at 210, and it's kind of the prevailing uh, consensus number worldwide right now. So maybe that's where I you know, blew an opportunity to make a, a, couple of, a couple of bucks, is betting under in this series. But uh, as far I just can't make a case for the Heat at this point. And uh, I'm not in the nature of laying nine points hardly ever in anything. Uh, and I'm not going to do it tonight officially for real money. But uh, for the purpose of the question, like I said, I, I just cannot make a case for the Heat at this point. And, you know, there, as you pointed out, statistically and certainly, uh, you know, obviously it's backed up by the eye test. They just haven't made shots in this series. I don't think they've had that many open looks, quite frankly. I think they've done a really, the, the Nuggets have done a really good job defending the three. Uh, you know, they had the one game where they had plenty of open looks, and that's the last game they played in Denver. So I guess if you're making a case for the Heat here, they won their last game in Denver. Uh, so Miami has to improve their three-point shooting to have a chance. That's just statistically how I can only see it going. Uh, Denver has several different ways to get it done, and if they don't beat themselves, they're likely going to win this game. There's just too much here depth-wise, uh, size advantage, everything that we've seen play out uh, over the first four games. I, I know that it seems like at certain times uh, the Heat have had opportunities to narrow the the margin to get it closer to maybe put some pressure on the Nuggets and force them into feeling a little bit of pressure uh, just because of the the score on the the board and yet they're unable to take advantage of it they turn it over or don't capitalize themselves on some good defensive stops Uh, so the one question I have is, you know, how tight will the Nuggets play to start the game? If it's possible that uh, just kind of getting ahead of yourself a little bit mentally that uh, you can win this thing, win an NBA finals at home, do it in front of your fans. If any of that kind of starts to creep in and Miami is able to knock down some shots early and kind of flip the script and flip the narrative. But I think that we've just seen 
too much uh, of the Nuggets here. I think they win the game. I don't like nine points whatsoever. So if I were, I guess I would go in the direction of Miami being able to cover it, keeping it close. Uh, But I don't like anything to do with that. I understand that. And just historically, teams that have been up 3-1 in the NBA Finals have uh, won the series 35 or 36 times. Oh, jeez. Miami, plus 9, 59% of the vote. Denver, minus 9, sitting at 41%. That's KDOS1060.com's poll question. Flipping this on over to Twitter, at KDOSAM1060, are the Suns' chances of contending next season gone if Chris Paul and DeAndre Ayton do not return? Um I I think that this is a really broad question that's initially challenging for me to react to because I don't know who else is going to be on the roster. Uh, I, I think when we answered something similar about should the Suns move on from DeAndre Ayton, my whole premise was, well, if it's going to overall upgrade the roster, I think that everything has to be on the table to be looked at. And I think that that's probably a similar philosophy that I have here. That uh, I know that the Chris Paul situation, though, is a little bit different because you're potentially walking yourself into where you're not getting anything in return for him moving on from the roster so there's there's definitely that situation at hand but if you find yourself going in a free agency direction or uh, flipping DeAndre Ayton for other pieces and you just in general upgrade maybe the point guard position uh, being able to play some defense some more consistency we saw some of that age creep in from Chris Paul I think it's clear that the roster can't stay the same that it is so what pieces do you have that you're willing to move on from and I think it's been clear that KD and Booker are pieces that are not available, not they're the untouchables. So at that point here, uh, you have to do something to be able to upgrade the roster. So I don't necessarily think that if they're gone, that ruins their chances. But if they're gone and nothing else is replaced that's quote unquote better, then yeah, that's not going to work. See, I'm a little different here. I don't think there's any chance or the close to any chance. Uh, unless they get some amazing players who we don't even realize are available in the market. Uh, if Paul and Aiton are here, I just can't imagine how they're going to be a better team next year. Uh, you know, the campaign is a starting point guard. you got to be kidding. Uh, you know, Bismack Biombo, uh, he's not even under contract after this year. In fact, the only four players, you know, other than Paul and Aiton, are currently under contract. The only other four players under contract for next season are Durant, Booker, Payne, and Landry Shamit. Uh, so I just, I think it's just highly unlikely. Uh, I think it's unlikely, even if Paul and Aiton come back, that they're going to be a contending team. But I think there's a close to no chance that if those two guys leave, that they're going to upgrade at those two positions in, before next season starts. Uh, the masses are on the no side of things at 60.9% of the vote. Yes, trailing at 39.1%. This is on Twitter at KDUS AM 1060. I will say this, that there was like a, a brief minute where I was reading an article about all the different ways that contracts can work in the NBA. And boy, was that a confusing mess. So uh, just yeah. <laughs> like, whew. And so... 
I, I guess it's kind of hard to therefore then identify all the different ways that you can parse out uh, a contract to make it fit in the cap and this and that, whatever. Uh, so hopefully the, the brighter minds within the Suns organization can come up with some different strategies because I think we're both in agreement that the roster can't stay the same if the goal is a championship run. Correct, but I, I, you know, I'm a, I wasn't. Uh, a, I was kind of in minority when they got Durant. I didn't think that they were going to have a parade route this season. Uh, so, um, you know, and a lot of people and a lot of betters certainly invested that they were going to win the championship or at least the Western Conference. And I uh, just didn't think they could stop anybody. And guess what? They couldn't stop anybody. Those odds moved so fast as soon as Kevin Durant was acquired. Correct. Yeah, there was also you know, plenty of money on the Suns before the season started, too. But that just uh, that's factored into the big pool and the big scope of things as far as uh, you know, the handle for odds makers. We wrap it up on the other side of the break. It is a Monday. It is June 12th. It is the Extra Point right here on KDOS AM 1060. Every Monday night, check out Ray Adams as he hosts the Monday Night Golf and Lifestyle Show from 6 to 7 p.m. here on KDUS AM 1060. Point here on KDOS AM 1060, as always online at KDOS1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports. Bob, it's thank you time. As always, we thank you for listening. Special thanks to the callers, emailers, tweeters, texters, whomever and whatever else sips the cracks. Also, our guest today, Matt Brooks of Nuggets.com. If you enjoy talking to Matt throughout the playoffs, uh, whether it be against the Suns or against uh, the Heat, obviously, and the good stuff from Matt. And uh, once again, uh, uh, we'll look forward to, uh, I'm sure we'll talk some nuggets next season. And uh, Matt will be our first choice for sure. Also, sound of the day, courtesy of ESPN, Bally Sports Arizona, KBME, WCBS, uh, WDAE, and Fox for a lot of the baseball highlights. And also special thanks to Kayla, Corey, and Aaron. And Kayla's going to tell us what's coming up next. That's right. Up next from noon to 1 o'clock, it is SportsMap Radio Network, followed by the Doug Gottlieb Show from 1 to 3, the Rich Eisen Show from 3 to 5, the Sports Zoo with Dave Rooster Beerstein from 5 to 6, Monday Night Golf with Ray Adams from 6 to 7, and James Out West at 7 o'clock tonight. As we've been discussing, the NBA Finals Game 5 is tonight, 5.30 p.m. on ABC. It is a must-win for the Miami Heat. Sticking with the world of the NBA, it looks like the Toronto Raptors have a new head coach. It's going to be Grizzlies assistant Darko Rajokovic as their next head coach. He spent time uh, with the Thunder, also here in Phoenix and in Memphis before he ended up becoming Taylor Jenkins's top assistant there Kenny Atkinson from the Warriors and Milwaukee's Charles Lee were also in consideration for the job 
Yeah, I'm not really sure what we have left in Toronto these days. So uh, I think obviously uh, the Nick Nurse departure, uh, you know, he gotten, you know, I don't know if he got the most out of those guys the last couple years, but certainly, uh, you know, helped him get a coaching job in Philadelphia and um, I'm sure for a nice payday and um, he should send some of that to Kawhi Leonard. <laughs> well, Charles Lee, he uh, he is going to be the next Celtics lead assistant. And obviously they're rebuilding that staff after uh, several people have moved on and they're sticking with Joe Missoula and the disappointment that was the Celtics postseason. Yeah, and Missoula was never going to get fired. I mean, they just signed him to a contract extension uh, during the, re- into the near the end of the regular season. But you know, I don't think there's a whole lot of people that believe that he coached particularly well X's and y, X and O's wise during the postseason, and that's even before uh, you know, he got out coached by Eric Spolster. And most guys get out coached by Eric Spolster, except for Michael Malone, who just has a superior roster at this point. Adrian Wojnarowski has said that Chris Paul, if he does hit free agency, some possible suitors for him back to L.A. with the Clippers, back to L.A. with the Lakers. Uh, this has always been linked to Chris Paul as well, the New York Knicks. This one was surprising to me and one I hadn't heard before, the Golden State Warriors. Yeah, I can see that. I mean, you know, you know Steph is, you know, quote, the point guard, but he's – you know, tremendous moving uh, you know, you know, through screens and away from the ball, etc. Uh, so no problem, no ex- no surprise there to me. Actually, I think that that would certainly fit. Uh, you know, LeBron, I guess, is you know tweeted out something about you know, he's, him and Chris Paul have been buddies forever. Uh, so that uh, I don't know what the exact tweet was because I don't have Twitter, but uh, you know, I guess there was something over the weekend that he. You know, they were at least since uh, the rumor last week that uh, the Suns were going to waive him. Uh, so I got that kind of a, I think that was a pretty easy connect the dots that the Lakers might be a possibility as long as LeBron's on their roster. Well, weren't they on a banana boat together? That's, I guess. I mean, I can't, uh, there's been so many banana boats, I can't remember who was with whom. <laughs> Whether it be OBJ, was OBJ on that one too? That was a boat. So. That was just a real yacht. <laughs> Okay, a real thing. (laughs) All right, the Phoenix Mercury got a win over the Fever, 85-82. to Uh, They'll next play the Storm tomorrow, 7 p.m. on the CBS Sports Network. The Sports Zone with Bob Kemp off tomorrow, extra point off as well as typical on Tuesdays. But we're back with you on Wednesday. We're on location, Putting World in Scottsdale, 16259 North Scottsdale Road. Come visit us. Doors are open at 10 a.m. Let's have some food and drinks at Bar 19. And also, let's putt. Let's have some fun after the show. So visit us, 16259 North Scottsdale Road for Putting World, puttingworld.com. Look forward to seeing you on Wednesday as the Sports Zone gets things started 9 a.m. Talk to you then.